ahead and take a seat. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Adam and crew. Appreciate you guys leading us in worship every week. While you guys are taking a seat, I know we have a few new faces in the crowd, so let me just take a second to introduce myself. My name is Daryl. Um, I'm the minister of high school here at Cross Life Church. My family and I moved here about four years ago, uh, a little over four years ago, to take this position. Um, and I've loved every second of it. I love that my job is to get to hang out with high school students and middle school students and get to know them, but also, most importantly, introduce them to Jesus and talk to them about Jesus and teach them God's word. Thanks, Charles. You're the best. I don't care what your mom says about you. All right. Um, no, uh, just kidding. She doesn't say much. Um, good. Um, but we're, we're, so, uh, we're so glad that you chose to hang out with us. If you got invited by someone, please know that that person invited you because they care about you um, and they, they truly uh, want what's best for you. Because um, we truly believe here at Cross Life Students that there's no better place to be on a Sunday night than worshiping and studying God's word together and hanging out with friends and making new friendships and, and, and just connecting with one another. So uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Glad you chose to hang out with us. If there's any questions you have about what goes on here, come find me afterwards. Um, you could talk to the people around you, find one of our leaders. We would love to talk with you a little bit um, and answer any of those questions you might have. We are starting a new series tonight, which I'm kind of nervous about, kind of excited about at the same time, because in a series like this, um, you can step on some toes, all right? Uh, I have no problem stepping on toes. Um, I have no problem speaking truth. I have no problem sharing my opinion um, on, on things. And I also have absolutely zero problem telling you what God's word says about things because that's my absolute truth. That's what I compare my whole life to. That's what I really try to center my life around is what God's word, what the Bible has to say about certain topics. And that's exactly what we're going to do uh, in this series. We are going to take a look at some questions and some rules um, and uh, things that the world might think about Christians, like what can they do, what can't they do. Maybe before you were a Christian, you thought like they could only do X, Y, and Z, but now that you're a Christian, you're like, well, that's not really exactly, but I don't know exactly what the rule is, you know, those kind of things. Those are the kind of questions we're going to try and answer, because here's the thing I need you guys to understand. Uh, we're going to get into it. We're going we're gonna to probably make you uncomfortable a little bit at times, um, but you know what? Sometimes uncomfortableness is needed for growth. And to feel uncomfortable and uneasy in situations sometimes causes us to take a deeper look at our lives and our personal lives, but also um, at our relationship with Christ. So uh, hopefully it'll be a positive thing at the end of the day. Um, we're going to take a look at some different topics and address things that some people think Christians lean one way or the other on. Our society is so jacked up right now. Uh, how many of you guys would agree with that? Like the world is upside down. Like you, you don't know which way is right anymore. Uh, what used to be very plainly good, bad, good, evil, um, right, wrong, has, that line has just been blurred and mixed together and thrown in a blender. Um, so it's so hard to really judge based off of the world around you guys. It's hard to judge what, um, what is right and wrong based off of what people around you are saying because everybody's saying different things. 
right? So our hope and our goal through this series is to take a look at things through the lens of Scripture um, and answer some of the questions. Um, we might get into these. This isn't necessarily the final list. I'm honestly still working through it, figuring out exactly where I want to go in the full scope of the, of the sermon series. Um, but we might look at, like, can a Christian date a non-Christian or marry a non-Christian? Um, can, a, uh, can a Christian be involved in the social justice movement? That was like, that's super huge. Can a Christian um, approve of or, or condone ulterior, um, alternate lifestyle choices that are, are, that are not considered normal or not considered um, Christian viewed? Uh, th- those are the types of questions we're going to get into. And tonight we're going we're gonna to jump into a topic that, man, is a hot topic issue that has always been a hot topic issue, uh, even from when I was in high school. Um, and it's a question that always came up, and it was a question that um, is often argued uh, at, among college students. It's argued among seminary students. Sometimes it's even argued among pastors. Um, and, and it's crazy to think, but it's the question, a very simple question of, can a Christian drink? That is going to be the question we're going to try to unpack tonight. Um, but before we get into that, let me just remind you of a few simple things. All right, There's, we're just going to get into a few uh, reminder things. In 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verse 12, uh, we, it says this, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are helpful. All thi- Oop, go back. Thank you. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And then in the next verse, um, it says this, in 10.23, later on in the same book, he says the same thing again. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. In this whole series, I need you to understand something. It's not the question of can I... The real question in our heart, and our heart of hearts, needs to be, should I? Okay? Because a lot of laws and a lot of rules that are in Scripture are black and white, right? You guys know, like, the Ten Commandments. How many of you guys memorize some sort of song or, like, rhyme to memorize the perfect ten, right? You guys remember, how many of you guys remember the perfect ten? Anybody remember that song? And no children's choir kids in here? All right, maybe I just dated myself. Anyway, but we, we have, uh, we, 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 we know those rules, right? Do not kill uh, or do, do not murder. Do not lie, right? Do not bear false witness. Do not um, commit adultery. Those are pretty black and white. Like we know what those rules are, but not every rule is black and white. Not every rule uh, very specifically will say, do this, don't do this, do it this way, not this way. Because God never meant it to be so rigid that we do yes, no, yes, no, no. It's, God, I want to follow you. And in our lives as believers, we want, we want to do everything we possibly can to follow Jesus. The old saying, just because you could, doesn't mean you should. So we need to run that through that. We need to understand that the, the, the scriptures aren't always crystal clear on every topic. But when you take a full view of scripture and you look at your worldview and every, at every decision you make, every interaction you have, you run it through the filter of, is this biblical? Is it scriptural? Is this something that God really needs me to do in my life? Is this something that I'm supposed to be doing? Right? Is it beneficial for me? Is it beneficial for others? Those are the types of questions that we ask ourselves. And when we run it through the filter of scripture, it helps us make decisions. So this leads me to tonight's big question. Can a Christian drink? You want me to answer the question and be done? 
Like we can just, we can just close, like I can answer the question, we can close in prayer, we can go home. Ready? Yes. Can a Christian drink alcohol? Yes, they can. Ready? Let's pray. No, just kidding. <laughs> There's more to it. Hang tight. All right, I need you to understand something. I am not going to stand up here and tell you the Bible speaks directly against taking a sip of alcohol or taking a drink, because it doesn't. You cannot find a passage in Scripture that says, do not drink this alcohol, do not drink a beer, do not drink wine, do not have this, do not take that shot. No, it doesn't say that. All right? I need you to understand that, that the Bible never specifically names drinking as one of those black and white situations. But the question, like I said earlier, that we need to be asking is, should a Christian drink? Because this is where we can really start to examine Scripture contextually and, and look at the big picture and make the decision for ourselves, is this something we should be involving ourselves in? Because when we do that and we examine Scripture, we see some supporting proofs that it's not the best thing for us as believers to do. Now, let me be very upfront with you. I personally do not drink. I haven't drank in, gosh, forever. It's been a long, long time since alcohol has passed these lips. All right? I will not stand in front of you and say I've never drank, because that's not true. All right? But I do not drink. I have not taken a drink of alcohol in forever. All right? Um, I personally don't drink, and I truly believe that as Christians, it's in our best interest, like this is Daryl's opinion, like first Daryl, all right? Um, in my opinion, I believe it's in our best interest to abstain from it, because I've only ever seen negative come out of it, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it, it's, it might seem fun in the moment, it might seem, but very rarely does any good come out of it in today's world. You have two peers right now that aren't here tonight, they weren't here this morning because last night driving home from Tampa, they got hit by a drunk driver. They're okay. They're not hospitalized, they're home. But just know, it's a problem. All right, I just need you to understand where I'm coming from. I've seen it, I, I, I've seen the negative effects. I've seen what, what happens in, in even people that drink responsibly. Sometimes it just ends up bad. You make mistakes, you do things that you would never do because your judgment is faded, your judgment is clouded, all right? Now hear me very clearly because I know what's gonna happen. You guys are gonna go home and you're like, Pastor Darrell said I can drink, <laughs> No, all right? If you are under 21, <laughs> it is not an option. All right, let me just throw that, like that disqualifies you right from the jump because there are laws in place, all right? Just, I hate to burst your bubble, but now you can like, and if, you, if I get a call from your parents saying, why'd you tell my kid it's okay to drink? No, I'm gonna tell them, I'm gonna send them the link to this YouTube video and I'll be like, no, watch the whole thing and then we'll talk, all right? So don't go home trying to get me in trouble, all right? I need you to understand something, that if you're under 21, it's not even an option. You can't do it, it's illegal. Don't go home and get me in trouble, all right? Do I think that if you drink, you aren't saved? Absolutely not. I know some very, very um, holy people and God-fearing people, God-fearing friends that will partake in a drink every once in a while, and I don't condemn them. But you're not going to see me doing it for a lot of reasons. 
I I personally feel my personal conviction that I've landed on through my study of Scripture and my personal experiences, not just with me drinking, but also with seeing what happens to other people and other situations that take place, like the situation that took place last night with two of your classmates and their family. And, and, And I see all that, and I've drawn these conclusions on my own, and I just want to share them with you. Again, the Bible does not speak specifically against drinking. And you can, we can get into, if you, if you want to like really get into it, go back and watch Pastor's message from a couple weeks ago on the wedding at Cana, uh, and he does a great job of, of talking about that idea of the alcohol in the Bible and like the, the whole process there. All right? Go back and listen to that one. He did a much better job than I would ever do unpacking that passage. But here's what I need you to understand. Here's how I came to these conclusions, right? Here's how I came to this personal conviction in my life that I believe should be, our, as Christians, should be our, our conviction. Number one is this. The Bible speaks out against drunkenness. You cannot argue with me. Now, you can argue, hey, the Bible doesn't say anything about drinking, and I would agree wholeheartedly. I, high five, good job, you read your Bible. But the Bible speaks out specifically against drunkenness on multiple occasions, all throughout Scripture. Let me read a couple of them to you. First up, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks and always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In verse, uh, let's jump back up to verse uh, 18 and 19 there. Or verse 18 is the big one. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. (laughs) This is where it gets fun. All right? I I want you to pay attention to what is listed with drunkenness here. Ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what God's word is saying here? Be careful. Be careful. But here's the thing I need you to understand. We can, we can read these passages all we want, and we can, we can look at these things. And, and, and I know what some of you are thinking, well, what, what if I, my blood alcohol level is below a certain point? Okay, great. You're legally not drunk by the state of Florida. Good on you. But let me define 
drunkenness. I think I've got it on the screen here. Maybe. Somewhere. If not, I'll read it here. It says this. How do we define drunkenness? It's an adjective. It says this, affected by alcohol to the extent of losing control of one's faculties or behavior. When, when, when we define drunkenness this way, you need to understand, guys. Hey, girls. Thanks. We need, we need to understand that the moment you're controlled by something other than the Holy Spirit, The moment your instincts are impaired, the moment that you have that, that slight delay or that slight impairment, the, the loosening of your spirit, you are no longer in control. You are giving up control. You are impaired. You no longer have control, complete control over your abilities and your behaviors. I've seen it. I've seen people step, sit down at a table. And here's the thing, man. I, I, go, I go out to dinner with people, and they're like, hey, I'm going to have a beer. Is that cool? I'm like, I don't care. Go ahead. Have at it. You know, like, I'm not going to be the guy, not my table. No, like, go ahead. That's for you. Go for it. But I need you to understand, it doesn't take much to start losing your own control. And in Scripture, it's very clear. We're only to give ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Remember that first group of verses that we read, right? Do not get drunk with wine, for it is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit should be the only thing we allow to guide us and control us and give up our control to. Now, this could go for any controlled substance. Listen, let me, let me throw this out there. This is not, this is bonus, bonus, like, material here. Drugs, illegal, over-the-counter prescription, excuse me, not over-the-counter. <laughs> I guess if you abuse the over-the-counter stuff, it could get that way. But like, you know what I mean, right? Like, we just need to be careful. We need to guard ourselves. We need to make sure that we're allowing ourselves to, to be who God has created us to be. The Bible speaks very plainly against drunkenness. Number two, and this will be our last point, we're going to be quick tonight, is this. We are responsible for our Christian witness. If you are a Christian in this room, if you are a person who, who claims Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which I would venture to say most of us in this room would say that is us. Like that's who we are. That's where we live. That's, that's, my, that's your identity in Christ is a Christ follower. Great. All right? But we're responsible for our Christian witness. And what I mean by witness is how others see Christ through us. When we live our day-to-day -day lives, people are watching. People are observing everything we do, everything we say, every interaction that we have, how we act, how we, how we treat others, speaks volumes about Christ, whether you realize it or not. I need you to understand this, that this is so, so important. First Corinthians 10, remember what it says in, in verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good for his neighbor, or the good of his neighbor. And then we skip down to verses 31 through 33. It says this, 
So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jew or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. What Paul is saying here, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, with which, just a little context, guys, Corinth was a vile place. Corinth was a place that was filled with debauchery, a place that was filled with sin, filled with, with sexual immorality, like the drunken was an issue in Corinth. And as he's writing this, he's he's warning the church, the believers, hey, be careful what you open yourself up to. The people around you are watching you. Don't be the reason someone doesn't come to Jesus. Don't be the reason someone doesn't fall in love with Jesus. Don't be the reason someone says, that Christian is no different than me. Why would I follow that God? We're responsible for our Christian witness. Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Can everything that you do in your life be claimed for the glory of God? It's a gut check moment. (laughs) Like think through the last 48 hours. As everything you involved yourself in, everything you've looked at, everything you've eaten, everything you've drank, and everything you've smoked or not smoked, has that given glory to God? Has your attitude, has your, has your, um, your words given glory to God? Everything you eat, everything you drink, everything you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is the responsible nature of a Christian. That is what we are supposed to do. That is what we're called to do. The world is watching and taking notes. I don't want to be the reason someone doesn't want to know and follow Jesus. We need to set the example. We need to honor God with our everything, including what we eat and drink. Drinking can be a stumbling block to others and can cause people to question our faith in Jesus. I'll never forget one of the last times I drank. And it wasn't even much. Like, it was just like I was having a drink with, with dinner kind of thing. It wasn't like one of those things. But one of the people that walked past my table while I was at a restaurant with a bunch of friends stopped and looked at me and says, aren't you, like, trying to be a pastor? And then, like, walked away. <laughs> and I was just like, ugh. <laughs> I was of age, I was legal. Like, it wasn't an underage drinking thing. Like, it was just like, oh, he's right. Like, this is, I'm stupid. Like, this is not representing Christ well. Now, again, I'm not saying that it, it's, it's a, it's, you're not a Christian if you do choose to have a drink. But like, for me, like, I realized in that moment, the world is watching. And he didn't know if that was my first drink or my 10th drink. He didn't know if I was just getting started or if I was going to need a ride home. You know what I mean? So we need to be careful. We need to be careful what we do. We need to be careful what we open ourselves up to because the world is watching. In 1 Corinthians 8, Paul is writing specifically here um, to, again, to the church in Corinth, and, and it, it's, a, it's a pagan area. There's, there's animal sacrifices going on to pagan gods and all that kind of stuff. And, and Paul here in 
um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 13, he's writing specifically about eating meat that was sacrificed to idols. But listen very carefully because I feel like the principle applies very much so in the same manner when it comes to drinking and choosing what we eat and drink on a daily basis, even today in 2023. It says this, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block for the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? If his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols, so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother. And wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes your brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. What Paul is saying here is, listen, if someone around you is causing them issues because you're partaking in certain things, like, it's better for you just to abstain if it's going to draw them closer to God. Because the ultimate goal here is to bring people closer to Jesus. It's not to get enjoyment for us. As Christians, our number one goal, every time we, our feet hit the floor, as we roll out of bed in the morning, it should be, how can I draw someone closer to Jesus today? How can I help someone understand who Jesus is today? How can I represent Christ well today? In everything, not just in what we eat and drink, but in everything that we do. It's my hope and my prayer that every single one of us, as we, as we process this, as we talk about these things, as we, as we walk through this series together, that we don't look at this and like just check boxes and go, all right, I'm not going to drink. Or like, I don't care what Daryl says, I'm doing it. Like, maybe that's you. But that ultimately, you'll take a look at your life and the decisions that you're making or the decisions that you're going to have to make at some point in your life. And you'll run those decisions through the lens of Scripture. And you'll run those decisions through, through the, the conscious thing. Like, is it, is it scriptural? Like, is it, is it, does the Bible speak out against it? Not really, but kind of. Is it helpful? Is it, is it drawing people closer to Jesus? Is it helping people know who Jesus is? These are all things that we need to be asking ourselves and we need to be evaluating our decisions off of, not just in this realm of, of drinking or not, but in every decision that we make. You ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, is this drawing me closer to Jesus? Is this drawing others closer to Jesus? Holiness is our goal, guys. Holiness is our goal. Righteousness is our goal. We need to be living for Christ in all that we do. We need to be pursuing him. We need to be trying to become more Christ-like every day in every decision that we make. We're to be filled with the Spirit. Again, I draw back to that verse that we opened up with. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But then the last six words here, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Make a conscious decision in your life to let God guide you. Let God guide you in your decisions. Let God guide you in the day-to-day in, -day, in everything that you do. 
Can I pray for us? Let's pray. God, thank you. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the guidance that it offers us. God, I thank you for the fact that you give us brains and you give us the ability to think and you give us the ability to process and you give us the ability to have um, discernment and to make wise decisions with our lives, God, and I thank you for that. God, I pray that every student underneath my voice, Lord, would, would tap into that skill that you've given them, Lord, the ability to discern what is good and what is beneficial and what is not. Lord, that they, they would remember that if, even if something is lawful, it's not necessarily beneficial. And that they would represent Christ well in what they do, that they would, they would see um, that the people around them would see something different in them. God, guide them, direct them, lead them. God, I pray that you would just move in our, in our midst. Lord, as, as we know, homecoming season is right around the corner, if not already here. God, and we're going to be faced with decisions. God, I pray that we'd make wise ones. Or that we'd make decisions that are run through the lens of Scripture. That are run through the filter of of your discernment, God. Lord, allow us to be filled with your Spirit. God, I pray for this family that was in the accident last night, Lord, I praise you that they're going to be okay. God, I pray for their recovery and their healing as they're hurting. God, I pray that you would just comfort them right now in this moment. Bring them back safely to us. God, I pray that you would touch the heart of the individual that hit them. Or that they would realize the, the severity of the decision that they made that night. God, I pray that you would just reveal to them that you've got something so much greater in our lives for us. We don't need to waste it away, giving up control to anything but the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, as we respond in worship tonight, Lord, I pray that if there's, there's some in here tonight that are dealing with guilt or maybe they're dealing with decisions, and God, I pray that they would just give it to you because, Lord, maybe some in this room is like, I've already messed up, I've already drank, I'm, I'm, I'm not living right. God, I pray that they would lay that at your feet tonight. Lord, that they'd ask that you'd give them the willpower and the discernment to make decisions that are proper from here on out. Lord, help us to honor you in all that we say and all that we do. Let us do it all for your glory. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, guys. Let's respond in worship.